2: are about to be spoken here on the extreme life of matt hardy episode 49 presented to you exclusively by podcast heat and adfreeshows.com i of course am john alba joined as i am every single week by the broken one the woken one the spoken one the purveyor of deletion mr matt hardy how you doing brother
1: i'm doing good uh it's nice to be at a hotel and be able to sit still for a minute. I've had a nonstop crazy last two weeks. It's been go, 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 So it's nice to actually have a night where I'm gonna get a good night's sleep and I'm going to uh, get my eight to feel great and train and, and not be going crazy, not be on the clock, going, going, going.
2: You had a big weekend with the family, went to Dollywood I saw, it was Barty Hardy's birthday. Looked like a fun time. Anything you'd like to share with us about your weekend?
1: It was, I mean, uh, to to begin with last weekend, the following weekend was very busy because it was the Wrestlecade weekend where we had a a full day of activities. And then I drove the next day after our Omega panel over to Dorton Arena, wrestling against Crowbar there. And then I had a whole bunch of stuff on my plate for Monday and Tuesday. And then Tuesday I left and I went to TV and then I flew home from TV. Uh, We were the very last thing on TV that evening and we shot a, a vignette after TV actually. So. Didn't get back to my room until about 1.30. I was up at 5 o'clock to, to catch my flight and, and make it home. And then once I got home, uh, uh, we had a, a few hours of downtime and then jumped in the car and made the five-and-a-half-hour trip over to uh, to Gatlinburg uh, Pigeon Forge for Dollywood. And then, like, once we got there, dude, it was uh, it was go, 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 nonstop. stop. We went to, to Dollywood. We spent six or seven hours there. Every single roller coaster, Maxwell wanted to ride it two times, three times. He is truly an adrenaline junkie the Hardy gene is very strong uh he would ride it with me and he would, would ride it with his mom and you know we we're going nuts we we're going crazy uh and then the very next day we were planning on just going to the uh the floor is lava it's a, a game that Maxwell if you're very fond of and they like a lot on different videos and YouTube and whatnot so they got to actually play that in real time and on top of that we went to a a very special pirate show uh, which was cool. We watched the pirates perform and they tell a little story and they feed you and whatnot. It's very theatrical, very entertaining. Uh, and then we ended up going to a race car track, uh, which is full of go-karts where the kids raced. And oh my God, Wolfie, I haven't shared the story with you. I haven't even told you this. So so Wolfie and Maxwell, the first time they started driving go-karts on the track, right? So they get in there and the guy's buckling everybody in. There's probably five or six kids that are taking it. It's the you know smaller kids course. And uh, Woofy just fucking hits the gas and he almost runs over Red and he's trying to put Maxwell in. Jack thought she was going to whip his ass. He like hit the gas, he was ready to go. They had to move him back. He took an early, he was called for being offside again, uh, took an early start a second time. And then they started riding the track and then he like went the wrong way. He came around the track and went back to like where they oh, took cool. off and started driving down that. And he did that twice and he ended up getting kicked off his first track ever. Woofy, the first time he ever drove a go-kart, he, he literally got booted from the track and they wouldn't let him back on it anymore. So there were a couple other tracks, which he went on and he learned his lesson from that time. But oh my God, what a wild man. He is an absolute maniac. Uh, so they they had a really good time. We also did a deal where myself and Revy were driving go-karts and they were our partners. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. A really, really good time. They had this huge arcade. They had all kinds of different stuff to play. It was just a big, massive facility altogether. So... We had a huge time there. We didn't end up leaving till about nine o'clock that night. And then I rolled back in uh, at the Hardy compound about two o'clock in the morning. So it was, a, it was a long weekend.
2: Wolfie's got the brother Nero gene in him, huh?
1: Oh my God, he does. He certainly does. And then two, even though we got up at two, uh, we got in at 2 a.m. We got up uh, bright and early that next day and then we set everything up and it was, <clears throat> it was officially Barty day. So it was December the 4th and it was Bartholomew's birthday. And uh, we, we did it up real big for him. He was the center of attention. He got all the gifts. He got all the cakes. He got this specialized pinata that uh, we we're going to rock and roll. So he had a great day, and he really enjoyed it, and he took a lot of pride in, in turning three. So he's, uh, he's saying he's going to be a big boy, like, like Maxwell and Wolfie now. So so we shall see if he's going to, sure. to graduate from being a baby into being a big boy.
2: Well, he told me he was 25 years old, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he's at mentally, at least, but... I, I love hearing. I love hearing about the house, Hardy man. All of us love hearing about the house, Hardy. Good to hear that you guys had a great weekend. Yeah, yeah I know that you value those days together. So, uh, especially yes. being on the road, being on the road as much as you are, it's very much something right. that uh, it, it's hard to come by almost. So, I'm I'm happy for you, and I'm glad that you got it, my friend.
1: It is. It's a. Uh... It's uh, very testing, but balance is very important in life. And uh, I have found a very, a very solid balance in life between family and professional life.
2: Well, last week we spoke about Jeff Hardy returning to WWE in 2006. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd like to bow tie on that episode, Matt? Uh,
1: no, I mean, it was a really enjoyable episode. Uh, it got really good feedback. People seem to really enjoy it and I'm, I'm glad they did and uh it's one of those things it was very cool talking about jeff returning to WWE. i hope before well, too long we can talk about jeff returning to AEW. that would that would make me very happy
2: listen this cool. is an ask matt anything episode we got like 45 questions asking this so before we even jump into our questions i'm just going to ask you straight up everyone wants to know do you have an update on jeff is there anything you can share with us at this time about jeff
1: uh yeah i mean he he's basically doing the, the same thing he's been doing he's, he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing to get to where he needs to be in life and uh you know more or less we've just got to get these legal issues behind him before we move forward so that's kind of where we're at with jeff and, and we're hoping that happens sooner rather than later
2: all to your knowledge and in, in a good headspace everyone cares about that more than anything uh, have, have you seen him in a good place lately
1: yeah, he, he seems to be in a really good place, which is uh, is very nice and refreshing to see. So, uh, you know, hopefully that continues and uh, and we get him back to where he belongs.
2: We love to hear that. That's that's great news. Um, you mentioned you got good feedback. Well, the great feedback you and I got this week was we got so many responses for the Spotify wrapped contest and the Apple replay oh, wow. contest yeah. that we put out. Great. So many. Much- So many people have got The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy in their top five Cinco, five Cinco, five podcasts of 2022. And I told you guys, if you sent us a screenshot, we would pick a winner and you'll get a free video courtesy of Matt and I. And we picked a winner. And Matt, you and I are going to be laying down a video for Jared Sughart. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Jared Sughart, who had us as his number one podcast of 2022 pretty cool huh
1: very cool uh and yeah it was very cool to see all those spotify screenshots so many people uh had the extreme life of matt hardy in their top five and that was a hugely flattering statement that was so cool and to everyone who did have us in your top five and everyone who sent a screenshot and uh posted that so that we could see it thank you very much we appreciate you sharing that
2: very much so it was cool seeing us up with names like established podcasts like jericho yeah. and something to wrestle yes. uh, you know the ocho we're coming after you Ocho. don't
1: yeah don't take that uh, we're coming after you. yeah we we had a lot of them with jericho that was great to see that's a huge compliment
2: yes and if you would like to hear our episode with chris jericho we had him on the podcast earlier this year on the stadium stampede episode uh, which is available in our archives at extreme hardy Dot com. Now, before we get to the questions, Matt, there's one more thing I'd like to cover. Uh, there was a report earlier this week from Fightful that said you and Ethan Page have been very much involved in telling this story that we're seeing unfold on AW television. And even this past week on Dark Elevation, we saw a lengthy little segment where I could have sworn for a hot second I saw another entity show up another vessel pop into the presence of a w television uh what was that about brother
1: well, what was this uh what was this entity you saw this show
2: i just i i heard some snarling and perhaps a loss of control of your mortal being Man. it just it appeared that way to me perhaps i'm reading too far into
1: this here well um I, I can't say I am not a big fan of Ethan Page. I think he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Very that's creative right, guy, right. but he is I he an fi? I do think he is an asshole. Uh, it's it's hard to call him an fi because he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. That's he the, just uses it for right. all the wrong things. Um, so, yeah, there there was a point in there where I snapped a little bit. Uh, it could have been a, a a flash of Damascus popping out of my mortal vessel. Um, mm. And I don't know, if we continue along the same path and he keeps uh, punishing and doing things to private party that negatively affects a career, then I might end up broken before it's all said and done. Boy,
2: howdy. Boy. I, I, I heard them. I heard private party was even saying, hey, man, don't let him break you. And ah, I
1: just- a little bit of that came out. Yeah, uh, stage, heard uh, i i i promise you ethan page if uh, if we end up going down this avenue this is going to be something you you will regret
2: more than fair more than fair it's been an enjoyable feud i'm excited to let it play out which of course is a t-shirt you can get at box alongside matt fact matt fiction our five cinco five cinco five star t-shirt among many others So we have Ask Matt Anything, Mr. Hardy. Without further ado, hit us with that Matt fact.
1: Matt fact, Matt still finds roller coasters exhilarating.
2: Do you have a favorite roller coaster in particular?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have a specific favorite roller coaster, but... uh... Everybody, we had a, a family friend, uh, Jimmy Ray, who you met at wrestlecade who actually went before he left on a trip, went out to Dollywood with us, and he was blown away by how legitimate Dollywood was and like how oh, yeah. legitimate the roller coasters were. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, it was so crazy. Uh, Maxwell, as I said before, wanted to ride every single one, and he would have rode every one three or four times, you know, if we would have kept doing it over and over. I mean, he, he truly he has that gene, he, he loves it. And, and one thing that I still do love about roller coasters. It's just that that feeling you get when you kind of have to just let go and you're not in control. And uh, you just let the adrenaline kind of take over in your body and you enjoy the ride and the view. it reminds you that you're alive. As crazy as that sounds, there's something about that I greatly appreciate.
2: Is there any comparison to, uh, obviously on a roller coaster, you're not going to feel <laughs> something like a big bump, but is there any comparison to like, for example, TLC1, you're about to take that big bump backwards you there's nothing you can do you're going is,
1: is it similar in that sense yeah I mean I I think some of the adrenaline rushes right for sure right uh because it's just like you you're doing something that isn't natural for a human being to do in theory uh and I obviously roller coasters are meant to be you know as safe as possible you know and, the, and you, you you have the ride and you do it and I I feel like I have that in the back of my mind and that makes it even a l- little more enjoyable when you're wrestling you hope in the back of your mind, you have planned things out to be as safe as possible, but you also don't know it could go awry, you know, it could go wrong. So that, that, that adrenaline also kind of kicks in and that, that makes it almost more exciting. But whenever you make it through those scenarios in pro wrestling, I feel like that is one of the things that reminds you that you're alive. And there's, there's a great feeling to that as well.
2: Brother, I grew up near Six Flags Great Adventure here in Jackson, New Jersey. King De Ka, 456 feet tall, 128 mile an hour launch. Talk about an adrenaline rush. Holy moly. That is where it is at. I feel you on that with coasters, though. As my older age has creeped in, Matt Hardy, I am certainly starting to feel those coasters a little more. And the, the the motion sickness is starting to creep in a little bit, so mm-hmm. I, I can't sit in the back seat of a car anymore. It's
1: it's starting to <laughs> to but get. sit in ed- the back seat of a roller coaster? Uh,
2: I don't. I would rather be towards the front of a roller coaster than, than towards the back.
1: Okay. The back, That's you get that some that serious. That that seemed to be the general consensus. Uh, whenever we were riding on the roller coaster this week. I'm okay with either either or really, Uh, it really didn't bother me, but uh, the majority of people want to be in the front of the coaster as opposed to the back of the coaster. I
0: got you. All
2: right. Let's get to these great Ask Matt questions. This is the last Ask Matt anything of 2022. It's episode 49. And let's start with this one because we just talked about a big ladder bump. Ezra Allman asks, favorite ladder spot from
1: throughout your career? I don't think we've ever talked about this. Mm. Um, one of the ladder spots that I hold very dear to my heart, which kind of is the first one that pops in into my mind, is when uh Jeff and I did the event Omega in uh, in the table match in Royal Rumble two thousand against the Dudleys, and I, I was on a ladder, and Jeff was on the top turnbuckle, and and we put Bubba through a table, and we like we it was rough on Bubba. Bubba caught a bag of potatoes on, on the way down at that because once again, if you don't hit it the exact same time, you know one of the guys is going to crush whoever you're doing it to. And uh, we didn't hit at the exact same time. We were very, very close, like uh, a tenth of a second, you know, apart. Uh, and Bubba ate it, but it was a very iconic moment. And I remember that being one of my favorite ladder spots back in the day.
2: Just thinking of the story you told about Ron Simmons saying, we won't be doing that again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that, that, thing where you, that thing where you and your brother jump off the top and both land on me, we won't be doing that again. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Love that. Uh, Max MF asks, when looking at the landscape of the pro wrestling industry as it is right now and taking into account everything you've achieved up until this point, what are your ambitions for both the immediate and distant future? Good question there for Max.
1: Uh, very good question, Max. What is up, Max? Max is one of my biggest supporters, has been for a very, very long time. I, I greatly appreciate Max. Um, Max, I would say my goal for the immediate future is to do all that I can to be an entertaining performer. Um, be involved in a storyline that is is unique and and hopefully fresh and something that people get invested into. That's kind of what I hope for. That is always what I'm I'm trying to do whenever I'm invested into something. And uh, on, on top of being an entertainer, on top of being an entertainer and an entertaining performer, uh, in ring and in and, and my storytelling, I also want to help build the future. You know, building private parties very important to me. That they end up doing good for themselves because I feel like in a lot of ways they're going to be a lot of my legacy because I kind of handpicked them and I'm the guy that is trying to get them ready for the next level and get them ready to be you know one of the top tag teams in the world and uh, any other young talent that I can work with and and help elevate because there might be wrestling fans out there that know the you know the, the name Hardy or Matt Hardy because I've been on TV for 25 years straight or whatever you know if I can help elevate other talent around me that's very important to me as well Max.
2: Speaking of elevating talent, this isn't a question from anyone, but a guy kind of synonymous with that uh, is William Regal. And Mm -hmm. we've been hearing a lot of rumors that William Regal may be on his way out of AEW and headed to WWE after he was let go there earlier this year. I don't know to what extent you can comment or what you know on those rumors, but is there anything that you'd like
1: to add on William Regal's AEW run? Uh, I'm a big fan of William Regal, the trainer. William Regal, the coach, uh, he is all in at like helping to to teach the young talent and, and helping to to give back to the business. I uh, have a have a great finest for him because of that. Um, as far as what his actual status is with AAW, uh, I I am honestly not sure. Uh, he could show up at WWE in the future. He could return to AEW and. And be thrust back into some angle again. I, I don't know. I am really out of the loop, and I don't know of a lot of people that are specifically in the loop. I know that is kind of the, the buzz going on, but I am not certain, so I can't really speak mm-hmm. on it. What
2: do you think of that segment with Max, where Max laid them out?
1: Uh, I think if you're going to go all in and uh, try and make MJF the biggest deal you can possibly you can possibly make them into, I, I think it was a pretty good piece of business. You know, e- even though Regal is a heel still, he's going to be sympathetic when it comes to MJF in the big scheme of things. And, and once again, he's a, a veteran and he's someone who has built so much respect up over his career, obviously, with the, with the wrestling fans, you know, so to have MJF disrespect him and, and screw him over as he did, it was a, a great move to really put heat on MJF.
2: There are valid criticisms of AW booking, in my opinion. But one thing that I really appreciate that Tony Khan does in his storytelling is he never forgets a small detail. If, if there's something, right. everything that happens usually happens for a reason. And Max, since his return, playing into the whole sympathy for the devil, making a deal with the devil stuff. William Regal made a deal with the devil, and he paid for making a deal with the <sighs> devil. And I thought that was a really great, if this is the final chapter of that story, way to make that story come full circle. And I really appreciated that in the storytelling. Agreed. Just a small little notch there. Uh, Steven Phillips asks, less extreme, but what is your favorite North Carolina barbecue
1: restaurant? Uh, That would be Pick and Pig. Uh, it, It unfortunately burned down um, oh, no. almost almost a year ago. So it's very famous. It was John's Barbecue in the Southern Ponds area, which is like 15 or 20 minutes from me. And uh, it was a family-owned business. And then they moved out to a location in Carthage, which is about 15 minutes from me as well. And uh, the family ran the business. They had a very unique place. Rebby hates barbecue, but she liked going there for some of the chicken dishes they had and whatnot. And it was also by like a, a local Carthage airport. There were planes out there. It was a real a real unique setting. The boys like going out there. They would run around and whatnot. There was all kinds of space. Uh, but, but they have the best barbecue in the world, in my opinion. Uh, and, and they have rebuilt and they will shortly be reopening really? the place. So uh, looking forward to that.
2: What was your go-to meal
1: from there? Uh, pulled pork with Brunswick stew and coleslaw. Pulled
2: be. pork's a big Carolina thing. That's a big Carolina thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just I mean, they, they smoke the pulled pork uh, all throughout the day in the morning. I mean, it's been, it's, just, it's it's the tastiest. If you're a barbecue fan, uh, go to Pick and Pig once it's open again. It's the tastiest barbecue you will ever have.
2: Well, you know, at like 4 a.m., that's what I'm doing, watching smoking and barbecue videos. Right? So I'm all about trying those things yeah. out. That's I'm writing it down, Matt. I'll I'll be there. Uh, let's see. To follow up on a food question, and from our conversation last week, Joey the Tori Amos guy asked, "Does pineapple belong on your thin crust only pizza?" And what are the other toppings of choice? So let's let's break this into two here. This is a very divisive topic on the internet. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Matt Hardy, Dirt Sheets, all the sheets out there. Take note, Matt Hardy. Does pineapple belong on pizza?
1: It's not my choice. If I'm going to eat, I'm a very basic thin crust pizza uh, with extra pepperoni and cheese. That's what I'm all about. That, that's my favorite. Bob's Pizza, once again, another local establishment in vast North Carolina. Um, if you do want to have pineapple and pizza, I'm not against it. And I'm okay with like a barbecue chicken type pizza. If you have a barbecue chicken pizza with a little like some onions on it, maybe, uh you maybe have a little pineapple on it. i'm okay with that and and i'm not opposed to it and i am okay i am absolutely okay with pineapple being on pizza in the right setting
2: it's going to be the headline matt hardy i am absolutely okay with pineapple being on pizza in the right setting
1: in the right setting
2: Just, yes in the right setting okay there you go. once and for all settled there you go Uh, Let's see. Jeremy Strunk says, not a question, but want Matt to know his V1 era kicked off a period of time where I ruined a ton of photos by throwing up the shocker.
1: Well, you didn't ruin them. You enhanced the photo. (laughs)
2: Don't
1: you dare think you ruined them. You enhanced the photo, young man.
2: Brandon asks, what's your favorite feud you weren't involved in? Wrestling history,
1: Matt. Favorite feud you were
2: not involved in? That's
1: a great question. Very very good question. Uh, I would almost say just because i became such a big macho man fan after the he, mega powers yeah a- after yeah. he after he won the title i would probably say i, I knew like as soon as him and hope broke up i was like fuck Macho Man's <laughs> gonna be, be by hulk because everybody beats hulk i mean hope beats everybody sorry uh everybody loses to hope you know so it made me angry i wanted macho man to, to reign as the champion for a long time and i got very upset because i knew whenever the the mega powers exploded uh, the Macho Man was ultimately going to drop the title to of Hulk Hogan, which he did.
2: Karen Stewart, what would be the toughest, most grueling match you ever had to prepare for?
1: Oh, man. Um, I don't even know if that's like... Uh, I don't know if there's like one specific match that I have tried to train for or prepare for specifically uh, before doing uh, that was super grueling. I mean, I, 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 I try and do... The best i can constantly to try and stay in shape and, and have the best win possible and be okay and obviously as you get a little older it's a little more challenging um I, I would probably say i worked the hardest to get into the best shape of my life and to be as athletic as possible and have the best win possible whenever i first turned hill and i started doing matt hardy version one when i was doing mm-hmm. the Sensei of magnitude i was in really good shape there i could go wrestle for 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, I had had great wind. So that that's probably when I was in my best tip top shape at that time.
2: Yeah, I'd probably agree. that. Is there a particular match from that era that really pushed you? Or I, I probably working against Ray, I'd, I'd assume maybe?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, Ray, Ray was super easy. I mean, th- those were never hard matches. They were very easy. I mean, I, I think what pushed me is just to stand out from Jeff and, and be different, uh, really stand alone as a solid worker on my own, have a good look, be in the best shape I could possibly be in and be able to go out to the ring and, and wrestle for 45 minutes. hard. Mm-hmm.
2: Dave wants to know, what's the worst match you've ever had in your personal opinion?
1: Um, probably I would say the worst match I ever had was, uh, the first match with the Italian stallion where I wrestled a guy named Maverick, who was like his JBL at the time. He was the enforcer of the PWF locker room. And Stallion literally put him in the ring with me just to kind of see what I had. Uh, and I know we got in there and like, he just said, just listen to me out there, kid. I'll call it. And we locked up and I couldn't even pretend to like do a headlock with the right now. I'm just so used to the left. Uh, and I, he said, "You grab a headlock. And I put him in a headlock and I did it with my right arm. And he said, what are you, Mark? And then he like suplexed me back on my head, you know, like you would see in, in Japan. Um, and it was a very chaotic match a lot of things he was calling i wasn't sure of what he was saying was as you had said before too at the panel uh you know we weren't technically trained at that time we just kind of watched what we saw on tv and we emulated it we really didn't know the insides and outs and the terminology and, and the fundamentals of pro wrestling at the time so i did some really cool stuff in this match but just like looking back at it i mean i just wasn't ready to wrestle a match on that level where you just call it on the ring as this guy was wanting to do. So that, that would probably stand out as being my, my most unsolid match. My worst career.
2: There's a story from that time period that you told at the Omega panel about Jeff that uh, I'm going to tell you guys, if you haven't watched it on the title match network yet in two weeks time, you're going to be getting this episode the Omega panel. It's going to be dropping on our feed for everyone to hear. And, uh, Matt tells this great story about Jeff being in the ring with George South around that time, and it is really, really funny. So I'm looking forward to everyone hearing that story uh, if you have not heard it already. Uh, Josh Henny, big fan of the podcast. He, this, yeah, what's this up, guy, Josh?
0: Big supporter. This,
2: this guy binge listened to the entire podcast spectrum in like a month's time. So big shout out to Josh it. for that. Uh, it Says, do you have a referee that you love to work with now or in the past, and one that was difficult to work with?
1: Uh, the first guys that stand out in my mind, uh, Mike Yoda was always a blast to, to work with. Yoda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Brian Brian Hebner was always so much fun to work with as well. Uh, Kevin Keenan, just because he came down and he did the final deletion, he kind of he kind of stands out to me as well. You know, actually, just uh, worked with him again just recently, a couple nights back to back. So, uh, yeah, those those are the guys that, that really stand out as far as being guys that I, I really enjoyed my experiences with. As far as being a, a referee that was hard to work with or or, or deal with, I, I didn't really have one that that I dreaded working with. Mm-hmm. You're a big Charles Robinson guy too, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of not only Charles Robinson the ref, but Charles Robinson the person too. What a great human being he is, Little mate Yeah,
2: so. I'm going to pivot on that question then here. Maybe not someone that was difficult to work with, but as we know, every referee has a different count, and that can be difficult to adjust to as a performer because you might be used to, like Earl Hebner had the super slow, dramatic, drawn-out counts versus, I I don't know, someone else who who might have a much quicker count. Nick Patrick had a very weird cadence to his count. Is that difficult as a performer to find that sweet spot with each different ref
1: i don't know i feel like i'm pretty good at gauging the cadence of someone's count you know like if if i'm there and i worked with them and we get like a a, you know one count a a two count a couple times up i feel like i'm pretty solid i I have a pretty good pretty good ear for it at that time and uh i feel like i'm pretty good at timing my kickouts if i I have a good grasp on their cadence and i feel like i'm pretty good at at getting hold of the cadence of whatever referee i'm working with
2: Kurt Angle was unreal good at that, at kicking out at yeah. 2.9999999. Roman Reigns is very good at that,
1: too. The most important thing is just that the, the ref is consistent with his cadence. You know, if he has a consistent cadence, uh, you know, with his count every single time, then then that just makes it so much more easier.
2: Who's your favorite referee in AEW to work with?
1: Mm. There's a – Bryce Remsburg is really, really good. Uh, I, I think he does a great job. I enjoy him as a ref. He's also very aware. He always keeps everybody clued in on, like, what they're doing. Um, uh, it's crazy. I, I like Rick Knox, too, as well. You know, he, he he's he's a lot of fun. You know, he's a Young Bucks guy who's a big, you know, uh, Reseda guy. But but I, I do enjoy him, too. He's a, he's a funny dude also.
2: I want to ask you about Bryce because you just brought him up. Yep. Bryce takes a lot of heat from the internet. There are a lot of people that Everybody at AEW
1: takes a lot of heat from the internet. Fair point. Fair point. (laughs) Fair point.
2: point. But Bryce takes a lot of heat because a lot of people say that he's too animated and he he steals the attention in a match. I personally could not disagree anymore. I think a referee that sells the action with their face uh, really helps tell a great story in that. Is there anything that you can comment on in regards to something like that?
1: I, I, I don't think he tries to steal the show. I think he's just very animated. I think he's very entertaining as a referee. And uh, I just think he's out there trying to add to the match. I don't think he's trying to take away from anyone. I think he's trying to add to the match.
2: I agree entirely with you. And I think he unfairly takes criticism from people. Now, Rick Knox, you know, there's there's a lot of missed tags and, Rick Knox matches. And, Rick, uh, Rick,
1: Rick, Rick Knox is kind of like a, a lucha libre referee. He he, yes, he lets a lot right. of stuff go. You know, that's I, I call him that sometimes the lucha libre referee. He just kind it's of lets true. a lot of stuff slide. You know, he just he want, he want, he wants to let the wrestlers wrestlers entertain the people. You know, he lets some stuff slide.
2: That's why he's a young bucks referee. <laughs> it's, it, not an FTR referee. That's that, that's all I'll say on that front. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got here's a good question from Mike. I can't remember if we hit on this in the Becoming Broken series or not. Is it true that you were going to be head of creative for Impact before you returned to WWE? And if so, did you have a game plan for how you would have written the show and talent that you would have prioritized?
1: Funny that you ask that. I wasn't going to be, like, technically the head of creative. I was going to have a much more impactful role when it came to creative. I was going to have a, a, a much bigger say. I was going to have a lot more input in what was going on. And if we would have continued the path that we were doing, some of the stuff we were talking about doing with, with Broken Mat, uh, whenever we eventually decided who we would have dropped the, the TNA uh, Tag Team Titles to, you know, whenever we, we left with the titles in theory, um, it, if we would have stayed, if we would have re-signed with TNA and we would have finally chose a team, we would have dropped the titles to them, whoever it may have been, there was a point where they were already talking about me, maybe even having another world title run doing it as Broken Mat. And if I would have ended up winning the world title, which uh, was talked about, I said, I don't think I should have it long. I don't think Broken Matt is a, is a character that really needs titles. I don't think it does a lot. And the guy I, I was saying then, who was getting really hot, who I wanted to like try and make sure I mean, like, if I win the title, let's make it a big deal. Do a couple of hardy compound things. Three or four weeks later, I need to drop it. And uh, I, I wanted to drop it to Eli Drake. And, and I trying, knew it. I knew me. you were
2: going to say Eli Drake. He, oh, I'm he was so the, glad that he, he you was knew the Eli. Guy, He was the
1: guy that I picked. I really liked what he was doing. And I thought him beating a, a broken Matt would have been a, a big deal. And, and once again, a, a broken Matt doesn't need a, a world heavyweight title. He's just, you know, he's just an entertaining fucker on his own. He wasn't was, at that time.
2: I was just going to pitch to you Eli Drake and, and Matt Hardy at that time because Eli Drake, now LA Knight in yeah. WWE, uh, I think one of the most underrated talkers of this generation of performers, quite frankly. Yeah, uh, he,
1: he he's a great talker. Uh, he has a lot of charisma. And when he's out there, he is full of confidence and, and it's oozing off of him and, and I you love to see it.
2: You know how I'm feeling confident this holiday season,
1: Matt Hardy? I have a good idea. I know how you're feeling confident. I, f- I feel like you're good and clean, huh?
2: I'm feeling cleaner. Than I've ever been in my entire life because tis the season for clean balls. Our friends at Manscaped are helping you clear your driveway for safe travels this holiday season. From stocking stuffers to white elephants, Manscaped's products are at the top of every single wish list. You are you uh, writing your list down and checking it
1: twice this holiday season? No, I am, and I've tried to be good. I've tried not to be naughty. I've tried to be nice.
2: Well, with Manscaped, it's okay to be a little naughty every now and then. You can grab some crop mops for your pop or the body buffer for the holiday lover. Win this year's White Elephant gift and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog. There we December. go. Going to manscaped.com and using promo code hardy for 20% off plus free shipping. This is your one-stop shop for all your holiday needs. They got the perfect gift in the Platinum Package 4.0, plus loads of little presents that are perfect for those stockings that are hanging up there. What better holiday gift than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs along the way, like Mm -hmm. the handful of liquid formulations, perhaps an assortment of liquid formulations, if you will, Matt Hardy. Shampoos, body washes, upstairs, downstairs deodorants, gels, exfoliants, absolutely everything. You need to keep it clean. And Matt Hardy, I'm going to ask you to describe for our audio listeners, what am I holding up right here in front of you?
1: Uh, To me, that looks like the mower of lawns and the whacker of weeds. It is,
2: in fact, the mower of lawns 4.0 and the whacker of weeds. They will make sure you are keeping safe and trimmed down there with the proprietary skin-safe technology that you can even bring in the water with you. So, Matt, just in case things get a little out of hand this holiday season, you got to take a dip in the lake of reincarnation could could you in
1: theory even bring that in there with you yeah they're waterproof of course it would be an absolutely wonderful time in the lake with the whacker of weeds and the more lawns.
2: it certainly would and you can get 20 percent off now and free shipping with code hardy at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use code hardy manscaped for a perfect gift that will be this holiday's biggest hit Always my favorites here on the (laughs) extreme life of Matt Hardy to shout out our friends over at manscaped. It's going to be a great holiday season. And I promise you they will make things even better for you.
0: Passion drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's
2: Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, We're talking about impact here, Matt. Valerie, big fan of the extreme life of Matt Hardy, says, which tag team titles from any defunct wrestling promotion would you and Jeff would have loved to add to the expedition of gold and which tag team titles from any active wrestling promotion would you and Jeff like to add to it?
1: That's a great question. And I'm so happy that Valerie asked that question. So whenever we did the House Hardy Halloween, the little uh, the little series, and and it featured uh, Jeff, it's Jeff Hardy in it. And I was obviously broken mad in the deal and I had uh, House Hardy, the family, and we had the Dome of the Leash and everything else. So if we were going to start doing this, series as a regular on the network, it was gonna, we were gonna be able to kind of contain the broken universe right there and kind of do whatever we want and kind of like creatively be in control of it whatnot. So I had written out some episodes that I, I wanted to pitch and do going forward. And we'd kind of had the green light to do it. Some things changed in the budget and whatnot. It didn't happen. But one of the things I was really set on doing is I wanted to teleport back in time to Philadelphia. To the ECW arena, and I want to shoot something in ECW arena where we fought the Dudley Boys for the ECW tag team titles and defeated them. How we could have got it on our record. So that was an idea that I had, going back in time and uh, having a battle in the uh, ECW arena. All these things were feasible and they could have happened. You know, WWE could have set this up and, and, and made everything happen. And uh, the Hardys versus Dudleys, and then we actually were seen and uh, listed as official ECW tag team champions.
2: I don't know would would bully have been down to put you over there at that, that, that that's his, that's brother, his tough
1: territory. he, he on would have brother <laughs> <laughs> if, if we'd got bully the right payday he would he would 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 have played <laughs> All about the payday brother.
2: You talk about heat magnets, bully Ray heat magnet and he is all about it. He's more than happy with that. Uh, what about current promotions any active promotion uh, New Japan?
1: Uh, yeah, that would be great. I, I was going to say AEW, you know. Well,
2: obviously, obviously AEW, yeah. yeah. I, uh,
1: you know, I, I, I really hate that we didn't get to win the AEW World Tag Team titles when we had that first shot at them. Um, New Japan definitely stands out. That would be something that would be great to to put on our list.
2: Michael Burgett asks, do you have a favorite Christmas film?
1: <laughs> uh, growing up as a little kid, I was a big fan of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, whenever that would be on. Uh,
2: Now,
1: I I, I feel like uh, the one that I watch with the kids the most, uh, and maybe is the most enjoyable is The Grinch. I feel like we end up watching The Grinch. But uh, my wife is a big Christmas mark, as you know. Uh, There's seven current active Christmas trees in my house, as we speak. All sorts of different variations, different colors, and different parts of the house. Uh, Mm. So there'll, There'll be a ton of Christmas movies I have plenty to choose from. I have plenty to pick from, but uh, the Grinch is, is probably my favorite of all the ones we like. The
2: old school animated Grinch or the Jim Carrey Grinch?
1: The Jim Carrey Grinch. Gotcha. And, the, and and the kids, the kids seem to like that one as well.
2: You know, have you ever heard of the band The Pretty Reckless? Not sure either. Have the lead singer of that, Taylor Mumpson, was the little girl, in Cindy Lou Who? Oh,
1: really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay.
2: You should go check them out. You would like them. I'll, I'll send you some links. And I, I asked you about that because they kick ass. They're, they're real good. I asked you about them because our good friend, the wrestling historian would like to know what's your favorite concert that you've been to. Oh
1: man. Uh, the first time I ever saw Pearl Jam, it was like a life changing moment for me. Like, so we became, the story's crazy. So everybody knows, most people know, if you know the story of Matt Jeff Hardy, that our mom died and we were very young, had cancer. And then there was a point in, uh, 1992ish, I want to say. I think it was when we were out of school, um, going back maybe 1993ish. Um, but there was a point where we we're off in school, and our dad had a brain aneurysm. He ended up being in the hospital. He was in intensive care for uh, a week. He ended up getting better, but he was away in the hospital. So I took time off from school, and I like stayed with Jeff. Jeff was obviously in high school at this time, right? Uh, but we got into that weird thing. I was being a teenager, and we would stay up late to listen for the song "Black." by Pearl Jam, yeah, it's, it's when it was in heavy rotation, right? So we got, we would like stay up to like 2.30 two, two in the morning, really living the life as like teenagers, even though we're still pretty young in the big scheme of things, just to like hear that song on the radio at this time. So we became big Pearl Jam fans after we got the album following Hearing Black. And it kind of like, we're big rap fans at this time. I was all into rap, I was consumed by rap and Public Enemy and, and so many different rap groups. And then Pearl Jam is kind of what started my alternative phase, Mm -hmm. so to say. So I tuned into Pearl Jam, heard that I got the album said, oh my God, a friend of ours had a hookup and we went to Charlotte. It was an outside show, outside venue. And one of our favorite songs still is this day. There's a really cool video that uh, someone made for us. And I've posted it on my Twitter several times, uh, Long Road. And it's a song that uh, Jeff and I've always loved. And it shows like mine and Jeff's Long Road, literally from the beginning all the way up to current times. So we walked in, and I remember just all the lights dropped just as we're getting into the concert. And, like, there's there's uh, this nice breeze, and it's almost like a little fog, uh, a fog. just the, the perfect setting. And I remember, like, dum, dum, I have wished for so long. And that, that song was the first, thing they kicked off the show with that, and it was just such a magical moment that made such a, a, a massive impression in both myself mm-hmm. and Jeff. And we talked what, about- what year was this you think uh probably 93 94.
2: 93 in charlotte you're saying
1: maybe so or 94 it, it could it could have been a little later
2: okay i'm trying to find it do you remember the venue name
1: Some, sometime oh my god uh it, it wasn't out american already.
2: legion memorial stadium perhaps
1: maybe maybe so do you okay. do you see it do we have a date there i'm i'm, I'm tr-
2: and <clears throat> okay october 4th 1996 Okay. At the American Legion Memorial Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. It probably
1: probably was a little later because it was Phil Peterson we went with.
2: They opened up with Long Road.
1: Yep. Okay. That was it. That's it. I'm going to read you the
2: set list to take you back in time. There's a long set list here. Ready? Long Road, Last Exit, Animal, Spin the Black Circle, Hail, Hail. Yes. In My Tree, uh, Corduroy, one of your favorite songs. Yes. Uh, Lucan, Not For You, Jeremy, Better Man, Red Mosquito, Black. A state of love and trust, habit, rear view mirror, immortality, alive, porch, who you are, even flow whipping. I got, uh, oh, oh, Brendan, Brendan, O'Brien showed up here. Uh, that's cool. Uh, leaving here, daughter, and they closed with yellow lead better. Leaving here, yeah. so, uh, 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 so, wow. That's, that's awesome, man.
1: That's it was, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's the show it was, because uh, they definitely kicked off with Longworth. Um, But man, it was just such a magical moment and really like, embedded Pearl Jam is, you know, our favorite band, especially my favorite band. That's awesome.
2: Dude, live music is unlike anything else. Like I love baseball, I love pro wrestling, but I will put live music above anything. Just, yeah, it's that same element of pro wrestling where the audience forms that emotional human connection with the performer. Mm -hmm. And as you just described that feeling that you had, it's like the closest thing to real euphoria that you can achieve it's unmatched in my opinion
1: so uh, yeah i mean uh, just a l- music is very special
2: let's get let's let's stick with carolina here jay the k which carolina team will be the next to win a championship the hornets the hurricanes or the panthers and also do you think carolina will ever receive a major league baseball squad
1: I would say the Carolina Tar Heels. <laughs> oh,
2: well. I, I, you're, they are much more likely to yeah. win a championship. That, I mean, that,
1: that, that's, my favorite, that's my favorite North Carolina team because I've yes. part of the system for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the Carolina Tar Heels would be my guess. As far as those other teams, um, I, I would almost guess the Carolina Hurricanes before anybody else. Uh, a baseball team would be cool in North Carolina, I think. Uh, There'd be room out in Charlotte. Uh, you know, maybe bring in the, the Charlotte Team, whatever we whatever we name it. We
2: have a name you got for them, John. Uh I think if you saw a Charlotte team come in, it would probably be a relocated team rather than an expansion team. Like if yes, like right. the Tampa Bay Rays were to move and they could stay in like the AL East or something like right. that. But so whether they kept a name like that or huh, Charlotte. I I don't know what, what are some like North Carolina tropes, because that's usually where team names come from. Tropes and stereotypes are where things. Yeah. Uh, the 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 Charlotte pulled porks. I don't know. What are we going with? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so yeah,
1: hmm. I, I, I don't
2: know. Uh, That'd be cool for you. I mean, I know you're a big baseball guy. You like yeah, baseball. Out. You thought you were going to be a baseball player at one point in yeah. your life. So.
1: Yep. The Charlotte Critters. The Critters. Okay. <laughs> okay.
2: I like it. I like it that's that's cool yeah i i think the hurricanes probably are the ones i've got a confession for you we've never spoken about this before and okay. it might change your working relationship with me but uh, <laughs> i i grew up a duke fan
1: oh that's fine i i don't i don't, I don't have that kind of heat <laughs> you know me i'm a middle of the road guy you know i like my mm-hmm. team but I don't, I don't hate on anybody else
2: i grew up a duke fan i i was jj reddick is one of my all-time favorite college basketball players so i was all about those Early 2000s blue
1: Christian Dose.
2: Leitner fan? <laughs> Man, great documentary. I hate Christian Leitner. It's an ESPN 30 for 30. It is an all time great sports documentary about just that one moment and how much vitriol and hate that it's spurred from sports fans around the United States. It's pretty incredible. Uh,
0: okay.
2: It's, it's worth checking out.
0: Um, you maybe know, I, on
1: a- I, I, I was a lot. You know, whenever I was coming up, I. I always favored Carolina. But the the big rivalry at first was Carolina and the Wolfpack. You know, NC State. Mm-hmm. That was the big rivalry. But it, it once it transitioned over to being Carolina versus Duke, that was like that was that was the heat, right? So yeah. I, I always if Carolina would get knocked out, I would always pull for like NC State or I'd pull for Duke, whoever's there. If it was a Carolina team. I'm not one of those uh You're not tribalistic. I'm not tribalistic like a lot of the pro wrestling fans are, or like a lot of the, you know, sports teams fans are.
2: Oh, rabid sports fandom is a very real thing.
1: Yeah. So since you're
2: not tribalistic, how about I ask you a WWE question? Go crazy. Austin Williams wants to know, thoughts on Roman Reigns' two-year historical run as the WWE Undisputed World Heavyweight Champion. Do you think that it is the greatest championship reign in history?
1: I don't know if I would say it's the greatest reign in history yet. Uh, I think it's very special. Uh, I, I love what Roman's doing. I, I think they've really done a great job of booking him in a very smart, sophisticated position. Uh, I, I love the people we surrounded with. I love what he does with Usos. The whole bloodline thing I think has been great. Sami Zayn has been a great injection into the whole scenario, especially for his comedic value. Um, I, I dig it. Uh, I, I think Roman's a great champion, and, and I think he is – well on his way to becoming one of the greatest champions of all time. And I and I think he is creating something special every single day that he continues to hold on to the title. Is
2: the Rock versus Roman Reigns the biggest match that's out there on the table in wrestling today?
1: Uh, prob- probably so. Probably so from a, a a WWE perspective, I would guess. I mean, I, I think there's some some guys that AW that have been built up. You know, I think Cody eventually is going to be a big deal, him versus Roman. I I think like a a Kenny Omega versus Roman would be a big deal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd say Rock versus Roman, Rock versus Roman, Roman versus Kenny, and Okada Omega in the United States are probably the three biggest matches on the table right now. in pro just my opinion that those are probably the three biggest matches on the table as things stand but uh let's another question that has been really highly debated there's been a lot of rumors this week that if rock is coming in for wrestlemania that he would win the rumble and face roman at mania for the title do you think a rock roman match needs a championship attached to it
1: uh no it it doesn't I, i almost feel like uh attaching a championship to that match almost like kind of spoils it in some ways i feel like i feel like it's a bigger match if it's like a grudge match if, if it's just a a personal issue of vendetta between those two like i feel like if you put a title on the line it kind of i feel i feel like it takes away from the match
2: the simple story is who's the head of the table is it roman reigns the tribal chief or is or is it Dwayne?
1: i think that's. i mean it, it it is exactly i mean and i feel like if you end up having a title uh, a title on the line. I mean, I, I considering Rock is like the biggest star in Hollywood right now, I don't know how many bookings he's going to make. I mean, Roman doesn't even make a ton of bookings as it is right now. So, I mean, I, I feel like Roman is going to retain the title if it ends up being a title match. So, I feel like it's a lot better if it is a battle over who's the head of the table. It's a grudge match. It's personal.
2: Trent wants to know, and we've been asked variations of this question in the past, if the Hardys were to go after the trios titles, Who would be the third partner? It can be anyone from the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. Now, in the past, it was who would be your partner now? We mentioned guys like Wardlow, maybe Darby Allen, But in the past, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, who would be that third person?
1: Okay. Um, Well, I will go back to the 90s. I would say maybe Gangrel, because we ran with Gangrel for a little bit. Maybe it would be the Hardys and Gangrel. Uh, If we fast-forward into the uh the 2000s right there let me think about somebody who who he ran thick with at that time
2: probably uh, either shane or shannon moore
1: i think would have to be in that conversation yeah maybe so i, I there, there's a couple like uh even uh guys who retired uh the hardys and Omega would have made a hell of a team too Ooh. back in the day you know which i, I think would be very interesting maybe even the, the hardys and mvp you know back in the 2000s um and then if you skip forward to the 2010s, and we think about it, uh, let me think about the people we were running hard with at that time, too. Um, that almost makes me, brings me back to a big TNA fill, a big TNA period. Um, that even, that, that even might be a Shane there, like a hurricane, even, even at that point, uh, just cause we we're involved so much in like, uh, you know, the, the deletion stuff, like Shane was always on the scene whenever we were filming those things typically. Um, there's gotta be somebody else uh like uh, bobby lashley an ec3 uh maybe neela drake you know any any of those guys from from that time period too
2: taylor benjamin says hey matt i'm a longtime fan of both the you your brother as well as old ass shane helms he wrote that i didn't say that he wrote that <laughs> that being said i've watched a lot of your youtube videos through the years and just want to ask is there any chance we can get another watermelon duel <laughs>
1: um i never say never man uh who knows if, if we get like kick off this Hardy show again, maybe even do little bits and pieces for for Rebby's TikTok or whatever, there could be like a, a quick little watermelon duel. She's not a big, uh, a long form storyteller. She's definitely a short form <laughs> storyteller. She likes to get in and out. She's, she's yeah. very much New York minute. She gets her shit in as quick as possible. Like I'll be saying a lot on one of her TikToks. She says, no, you have 1.5 seconds. That's it. Don't drag this shit out. It's not three seconds. It's not four seconds. It's 1.5 seconds. Get the shit done. She uh, she she really she packs it in there. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe we we will have another watermelon duel. Maybe we'll do it sometime on her her TikTok or whatever. She actually just got some new deal where she's gonna be. She's got several managers now because her her brand is building and she's uh, she's starting to make some more money off her content too. So maybe yeah, I, I maybe, maybe I can quit this wrestling bullshit just do her TikTok videos.
2: We've got Matt Hardy brand soon. We'll have Rebby Hardy brand. I yeah. like the sound of that. That's that's cool stuff. I like that. And to piggyback off that, Joseph asked, is it true MTV contacted you about getting the Hardy show on their network at one point? Uh,
1: There was a point where we had some of the guys that that did the Hardy show with us that did reach out to them. And there was like a conversation. Uh, It it didn't go extremely far, but there there was definitely a conversation right after Jeff was leaving WWE uh where we were having that conversation and then whenever jeff ended up getting in trouble and he got arrested that kind of put it into to to that conversation so we we did we did speak to them there was something we were like just starting to negotiate there was never like an official deal or anything on the table but we were definitely talking talking about stuff
2: Pat Pitts asks why don't more promotions do their own variation of a Royal Rumble match are you a fan of that type of match
1: I mean I'm I'm a fan of the Royal Rumble I think it's a cool concept I think it's a, a really special way to to make someone and build someone and really, I, I love the fact that whoever wins goes to WrestleMania and gets the shot at the, at the world title. Um, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of other promotions maybe don't want to just straight up copy the Royal Rumble. They want to try and do something a little different a little original. Uh, I, think, I think it's a very interesting match and I think it's very cool that WWE created it and they've really built it into a very special staple for their brand. Uh, I think other promotions have tried to emulate it with matches that are similar in different ways that also do things that, that elevate different talent. But I, I do like the Royal Rumble match for what it's worth. I feel like a lot of other promotions just, just don't use it because they don't want to straight up just copy WWE's ideas. Yeah.
2: And and if you're in a Royal Rumble match and you get in early and you're supposed to be, because every Rumble match is booked with some sort of Iron Man, right? Like that's a, that's a big part of a Royal Rumble match. Someone goes a long way in it. Usually someone's gonna have a run, yeah. You gotta be in, like Finn Balor-style shape to have that cardio to go 53 minutes and that sort of thing, don't you? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, you you definitely have to be in shape, especially if you're going to be in there for a long time.
2: And there's a great way that you can make sure that you're in Finn Balor-style shape if you're going to be in a long Royal Rumble match, isn't there, Matt Hart? Yes,
1: I mean, that's what I do. I take my AG1s every every day at the very beginning. You take your AG1s every single day to get
2: in that hashtag Rumble season shape. What is this stuff? One delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, aging, all of those things, and gives you the mental clarity you need to go from 1 to 30 in a Royal Rumble match and beyond that. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin. it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Matt, before you were taking AG1s, how many multivitamins were you putting in your body every day?
1: Way too many. Probably 10 or 12 every single day. Way too many.
2: With AG1s, it's all in one. It's a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And your subscription is going to come with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add as we get to these winter months and there's less light out there. You want to make sure you're absorbing that. And the beauty is, this is the best part about it, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than your cold brew habits, cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. It is an all-in-one nutritional insurance. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And how many free travel packs, Matt Hardy? Uh,
1: Five. Cinco. Five. Cinco. Five free travel packs. They're so convenient, too, aren't they? They're the most convenient. They're great. They've changed changed my life.
2: All you got to do. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy again as athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank Athletic Greens and AG1 for sponsoring the extreme life of Matt Hardy every single week and for keeping Matt Hardy still going as his athleticism declines in his <laughs> older age.
1: Thank you, AG1s, for keeping me up and running
2: could tell that story. So, I was on commentary for the Jeff Jarrett and Matt Hardy match and I was trying to add like real life color commentary to this thing where I'm talking about coming from the sports world and I'm saying, you know, as athletes you get towards the back end of their career, their natural skill set declines and they have to reinvent themselves. They have to come up with new ways to stay in the game. And I guess the way that I said it was maybe a little more harsh than what I was intending right. to say. Right. <laughs> and Matt calls me, he's like, I love the call. It was great. But did you say that I was like old and that my skills were like fading away from me? And I said, oh, shit. I'm sorry. And then I get a text from Rebby. She's like, what the fuck was that about, bro?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we were listening. He said, oh, you can tell he's become more of a brawler as his skill set has deteriorated or whatever. (laughs) And and Rebby's just like, what the fuck?
2: (laughs) Not what I meant to say. But nonetheless, I apologize for how it came out. Uh, I still think Matt Hardy can go for what it's worth
1: uh, and, and speaking of which Tim Woody asks, will there ever be a Hardy versus Jarrett three? That's a very interesting question, Tim Woody. Uh, Tim Woody, a guy who's one of the forefathers as well of Russell Kate. I don't know if you're aware, aware of that or not John. Did you meet Tim Woody there Russell Kate?
2: I think I think briefly okay
1: yeah uh, he, he's a good dude. He's been going through a lot of health issues recently uh, But Tim, I I think as opposed to being just a Hardy Jarrett 3, I think there could be maybe a Hardy's versus Jarrett's three. Maybe at WrestleCade next year. Ooh, we're, we're, not talking Jeff. we're not talking Jeff Hardy here, are we? I don't think we're talking Jeff Hardy. We're talking about another Hardy. A uh, uh, very much hot-headed Hardy. Not Jeff. Rebecca Hardy.
2: A much scarier Hardy much than scarier Jeff Hardy. hardy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something.
1: Do you think rebby has got one more match in her? Uh, I think so. I, I I think if the right scenario uh presented itself, I, I I think she could. Yeah.
0: Okay.
2: I'm I'm about that. I think it would be great. And like I said, if that's not in the cards, we got to get that first name Sham, last name Payne versus Jeff Jarrett. Here we go. got to get that. You got your comeuppance. Yeah. Now Marty Gardner is due his comeuppance. There we go.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Melanie asks, "What did you think of the Walking Dead finale?"
1: I, I haven't seen it yet, Melanie, uh, uh, I will tell you. Uh, I, I, I have the entire season DVR'd uh, and I, I'm gonna go back and watch it. So I, I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know. Uh, thank you for not spoiling it, by the way.
2: <laughs> I couldn't tell you what happened in the Walking Dead finale, so. Yeah, uh, I, I assume uh, someone died,
1: but uh, I don't <laughs> I mean, people, people died all throughout Walking Dead, but yeah, I, I didn't enjoy the show. <laughs> it, it it went on a long time and I, and I do, I appreciate the tenacity of, of the writers to try and tell such a long form story as they did, is they did with that, you know, but I, I think it was one of those things where it was, it was time to wrap it up, you know? So I, I, I hope I find the last season enjoyable. I've enjoyed all the other seasons, you know? And I
2: think there's like three spinoffs coming out of it too. All, so there's, there's a, a whole
1: lot. bunch of stuff. I mean, it's a huge, the, uh, the, the walking dead universe is, is massive as it is anyway. There's, there's movies coming out, there's spinoffs coming out, all kinds of stuff. Did you ever take any inspiration from the Walking Dead universe for Broken Matt? Uh, I did. I'm sure. That, I'm sure there's some stuff I did. Even as like, I mean, I I would specifically walk with a, a bigger limp, almost like a zombie, uh, especially when I first started doing Broken Matt. Let's see. Okay.
2: Ben Edward Joseph Ward says hi, Matt. Always a joy to listen to the podcast on my very long car ride. So I thank you for that, and we thank you for thank making you, it for very long car rides. My question is, why your feud against the two-man power trip, Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin back in 2001 ended so abruptly and replaced with Undertaker and Kane, I thought the underdogs going against the big dogs would be an amazing story to tell. Now, before you answer this, Matt, I do want to say we have an episode planned on the two-man power trip for this coming spring, so don't give away too much here, but can you give us a little bit of insight of why this thing might have fallen apart? Uh,
1: Well, it was never supposed to be a thing in actuality uh we were just supposed to be used as tools we defeated the two-man power trip and stephanie on a, a raw in boston and uh the whole deal was we were supposed to beat them and then they were going to get heat on us and it was their effort to try and get heat on stone cold because stone cold was having a hard time being booed and, and being healed uh because he was so beloved obviously so the heat that they got on us that night in boston when they beat up off team extreme was massive uh and they decided to to drag this out uh, a, a few weeks longer and, and Jeff actually got an intercontinental title run out of the whole deal as well so none of that was prepared for that was literally like booking on the fly just because of the reactions uh that we garnered during during that beatdown down and, and and getting heat on the two-man power trip so I, I was just happy we got as many weeks as we did I got to work with Stone College i got to work with Triple H we were with both of them some and then eventually they shifted it back to where it originally was always going to be, and that was against the brothers of destruction. So we, we were just very happy to get that rub and and, and get to to work against uh, Steve and Triple H.
2: And again, we will have a full episode on that in the springtime. Subscribe now, ExtremeHardy dot and you will get that sent right to you when that goes up. Speaking of crowd reactions, Bryant says, there have been a few shows recently where the crowds have been dead for a lot of the matches. Can this be demoralizing to talent? And what can the talent do to try and get the crowd back into the match?
1: It's very challenging when you're out there trying to to bust your ass and especially work hard. And and the crowd just doesn't seem to be into what you're doing or they're sitting on their hands. It, It is extremely frustrating. And, I mean, you try different tricks sometimes. Sometimes you try and do these Uh, You you try and put on more of a solid wrestling match. that's a little more exciting, a little more acrobatic. You know, maybe they need that. Maybe you do a little more Gaga. Maybe it's a little more Shakespeare. Sometimes a crowd needs that. You just try and you try and read the crowd and you try and give the crowd whatever they want to like get them invested in what you're doing. But if you are there and a crowd is kind of sitting on their hands, it it can be very demoralizing and it makes your job a lot tougher. And it, it definitely makes the bumps hurt a lot more.
2: Wrestling study says fantasy booking you did a six versus six war games match what would your team be from today's current wwe roster so five guys that you'd like to team with from today's wwe roster
1: uh it would be matt hardy in the bloodline versus whoever we kill oh okay that, that, that number works right
2: yeah i think i think so so wouldn't like to team with like kevin owens or anybody like that
1: no, i just team with a bloodline.
2: one. Okay. I mean, it's an easy way to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an
1: e- easy way to win. for fantasy booking here, come on, let's put ourselves over.
2: War Games feels like a match that would have been made for Matt Hardy at some point.
1: No, yeah, I, I loved War Games. Uh, I love War Games coming up, and I, I am envious that I have technically never been in a War Games match.
2: Uh, Lance wants to know, any memories of Ultimate Warrior during his 96 run? Also, any memories working with the Legion of Doom a few times in 98?
1: Yeah, I uh, I have a very funny memory of Ultimate Warrior. So whenever we were doing extra work, they liked us a lot. And I remember Chief J. Strongbow, who was the guy who would book us, and we took care of him. We got him set up. We knew people that worked on the Pinehurst golf courses, and we'd get him set up with golf there. And he would come down to Pinehurst, and then he would always book us and go out of, go out of his way to book us at as many shows as possible for WWE, right? So uh, there was a time where he said, hey, you guys hungry? Yeah, you know, I know you're here. He said, go into catering and have something to eat. And I said, oh, well, you know, we don't want to go in there with all the contracted, all the big stars and piss anybody off. You know, we, we know our boundaries here, whatever. He said, no, it's okay. Just wait till after three. He said, everybody's out of there at that time. Just go in there and eat something. And we ended up going in and, and eating, right? So we got some little catering, did this. And, like, And Jay Strong cleared it all and said we could do it. So all of a sudden, Ultimate Warrior walks in. And he has, like, this duffel, this little bag, like a little duffel bag. And uh, he walks in and uh, he goes up to the line and and he starts like looking over his shoulder here, looking over his shoulder here. And then he like looks over at us as we're like the only people in the cafeteria. Everybody else is like putting their shit together, doing whatever else. And the the four of us are sitting there, myself, my brother, Jason Art, Marty Garner. And Warrior like looks at us and like, then like looks away and he starts taking, there's a, a tray of like 30 baked potatoes. With the aluminum foil around them right and they start stuffing them into his bag and then he like looks at us like i know you ain't gonna say shit about this are you <laughs> he stuffs him in does it and then zips it and then walks out and he like looks at us and goes but the way he came in just like looking over his shoulders like all paranoid then he like looked at us like trying to burn a hole through our souls and then he started like just stuffing that bag and he looked at us like i know you sons of bitches aren't gonna tell anybody i took all these big potatoes are you Ah, that's true, city So, that's one of my favorite Ultimate War stories. For sure. Wow. <laughs> Very true. I, story.
2: What would one man have to do with all those baked potatoes? I don't know. I
1: don't know. It was potatoes. Dude. It was not like he was taking like chicken or steak or anything. It was baked potatoes. Jesus Christ. I have no idea. I have no idea what this guy was doing.
2: Fascinating.
1: uh As far as working with the legion of doom guys you know they were kind of like the lod 2000 that's when they had draws in there and they were doing the, the angle with hawk and whatnot there there was a point where we had wrestled Draws and an animal and uh it was so funny because it was just like a random match we came in there and said okay well you know we're having this match and we're like you know we're we're just doing a lot of jobs at this time. Obviously, you know, we were contracting talent that would like get a win here and there and then like put a lot of teams over just trying to make them look good until they decided they were going to pull the trigger and do something with us. And then I remember we came in and said, okay, well, we we want the Hardys to uh, defeat LOD 2000 with a finish and we want them to pin Animal. I was like, what? <laughs> what?" This was very specific. And I'll never forget, like, Animal kept saying over and over after we double suplexed him, he said, get to those corners as fast as you can. Get to those corners as fast as you can. Get to those corners as fast as you can. Because he didn't want to like lay down there and uh and and wait for me and Jeff to do that leg drop splash and uh he was okay with it he didn't give us the Ron Simmons at the end well we won't be doing that again he didn't give (laughs) us that and he was okay but I'll never forget like we grabbed him in a double suplex and dropped him. he's like get to the top fast get to the top fast get to the top fast and he kept saying that over and over and over again uh once again I I get it you know especially with how those guys were in the 80s and the you know in the, the early 90s you know those guys are just still trying to to retain you know a, as much magic as they possibly could and that's what animals doing in that in that scenario i think
2: did you ever see draws puke in person uh
1: no i i, I didn't actually you yeah. maybe it was all work i don't know you've seen saw it
2: you've seen the vince clip right from of, the doctor of course, of course can you give us your best vince mcmahon he's gonna puke
1: he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna puke ah. and if he, he doesn't do so that so fired up man
2: if he doesn't puke he'll eat your face off
1: yeah yeah right yeah Vincent, man he is a, he is a true madman <laughs> and i love and i love him for it not going to lie,
2: boy howdy ain't that something let's get <laughs> let's see here we got so many questions i just got a big shout out to everyone this is our last ask matt anything of the year and just thinking of literally the thousands of questions that we got this year. Right. It's like literally thousands. It's just insane. Let's let's get a few more in, Matt, and then we'll call it a day here. Uh, Spidey Cloned says, everyone has a favorite match. Something I like asking wrestlers is, what's your favorite match that others just don't get why it's your favorite? Could be a great match, an objectively flawed one, but to you, it holds that meaning in a place that you'll never forget.
1: I, I almost feel like for me, when you talk about a favorite match that is kind of subjective, so to say, I guess, uh, I, I would say the final deletion because there's so many people that didn't get it, they didn't like it, but, like, we created something so special that was such, so trend-setting at that time, uh, you know, and there's a lot of people that still hate it. They think, you know, the broken universe is the dumbest shit they've ever seen in their life, and there's some people think it's the greatest shit they've ever seen in their life, you know, so it was a very polarizing thing, but I, I love the fact that we were we were given the, we were given the opportunity to kind of like step out of bounds, you know, and like kind of cross the normal parameters of what pro wrestling is in 2016. And, and we created the final deletion and I love the fact that it was just done so organically and it was like, we were kind of making it up as we went along. We had a little bit of an outline, but so much of that was just made up as as we went along.
2: We got a two part question from Nathan says, one, how did it feel to be in a video game for the first time? And two, do you think it, do you think you will be in the new AW Fight Forever game?
1: Uh, yeah, I man. Be, being in a video game the very first time is like is one of. The, there's a few things that really lets you know like you've made it. And being in a video game the first time is like, wow, we've made it. So that was a huge deal for myself and Jeff. Like when we got an official piece of WWE merchandise, we're like, whoa, we've made it. When we got a, a toy, whoa, we've made it! When you are in a video game, whoa, we've made it! You know, those are some of the things that are very important staples of like realizing the materialization of your dream coming to be. Um, and as far as the Fight Forever game, uh, I, I will, I will be in the game. You have to do uh, a couple special things to end up getting me, but I, I, I will be in the Fight Forever game.
2: You are, you are an acquired possession in this game how about that you gotta you gotta work to get to yeah. that okay
1: there's there's a few guys they strategically did so people would buy a certain certain things and i i will be i will be i will be in the game i guess have you seen that is that public info
2: that you're in the game, uh, I haven't heard that specifically, but a lot of people have been confirmed for the game. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that, that's fine. It's not like you're you're breaching contracts here or anything like that. And and it's I mean, the game is attracting a lot of buzz. Yeah. And what I appreciate about it is that I know Kenny Omega in particular has been a big part of the development of it because he's such, a, he's such a gamer.
1: It's been his life.
2: And I think it will be a true love letter to those great wrestling games of yesteryear. I think so too, yeah. Like No Mercy and some of those early SmackDown games that people yeah. fell in love with so much, like Here Comes the Pain. Uh, do yeah. you have a favorite wrestling video game that you've ever
1: been in? Uh, yeah, I mean, may- maybe that is the No Mercy, the one that had guys when they fell off the ladder, they well they the yep. like Jeff, yeah, they took the Jeff bump. Yeah, I, th- I think that was it. That was a, a pretty badass game. That's cool.
2: I-, I think people look at that as the gold standard of wrestling yeah. video games. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool there. Uh, let's get two more questions here and then we'll wrap up. We got Addy saying, you've had an incredible knack for being able to reinvent your character time after time during your incredible career as a singles and tag team champion. Can we expect to see perhaps one more reinvention before retirement from in-ring action?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think so. As we talked a little earlier about this whole Ethan Page thing, uh, if Broken Matt comes back, he he will be very... He'll be very different. Uh, it, it'll be a, a different version of, of a broken mat that I don't think you've ever seen before. And he'll be much more suited to fit into mm-hmm. kind of climate of AEW currently. And if Jeff and I would have won the, the tag team titles, we were only gonna wear like the old school gear to then, We actually had new gear that was already being made. We we're gonna like do a little bit of a rebrand on the Hardy. So that might be something that still ends up coming mm-hmm. to fruition down the road. see
2: saying this past year we would have seen new gear and stuff
1: yeah
2: okay well to piggyback off that for our final question tony crouton bomb says have you or jeff considered changing your look is it a if it don't fix it if it ain't broken situation has there been serious consideration into changing for the final run how would you and jeff do your final run if it was your call broken or team extreme i think that's the question ultimately how would you do it team extreme or
1: broken it, it, it kind of depends. I mean, I i see I see benefits to doing both of those. Uh, and, and I actually see a case to doing a little bit of both of those. I, I think as our careers wind down at the end, I think we need to kind of be as based in reality as possible. I, I think that makes it a lot more meaningful, you know, being our last run, and we can be much more serious, much more real and like, let our emotions be real as opposed to being, a, you know, a fantastical character like Broken Matt. Uh, so I would I would imagine it, it, you're going to have more of a traditional Matt and Jeff Hardy, although they might have like a different swagger to them. They might have a little bit of a different look. They might wrestle a little differently. I, I would say when we're on the way when we're on our way out the door, it'll probably be Matt and Jeff Hardy, uh, the the real human beings. Maybe a different presentation, but 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 pretty much us.
2: Well, naturally, you have to change it because you're. Athletic skill set has completely deteriorated at that point. So, Yes, yes. <laughs> you must find a way to even walk to the ring because, as we know, those Hardy boys will be in wheelchairs by the time they're 30.
1: I have to find a new way to lay in the bed. <laughs> My skill set has deteriorated so bad, poorly, so badly.
2: Oh, we, we know. We know the Matt Hardy skill set in the bedroom has not deteriorated. We know that. We're very confident in that. We've seen how many kids you're pumping out there. We know that the house hardy is potentially ever expanding that hardy. I'm not too worried about that one.
1: Yeah, I did pretty good on that front. I thought so.
2: You're, you're, you're a world champion on that one. So. As Eddie Rare would
1: say, better than nothing.
2: <laughs> Stay tuned next week for a new sponsor, by the way. But anyway, that <laughs> wraps up our it was Ask Matt. made for me, man. Oh, yes, very much so. That wraps up our Ask Matt, our final Ask Matt of the year. I'm, I'm like feeling nostalgic matt we're approaching the end of 2022 you and i are nearly at a year of doing this
1: podcast together Crazy, right
2: just in spain
1: where does time go
2: and next week is going to be a look at jeff hardy's first ever wwe championship win which very was cool. a very special time i know for you guys anything that we can look forward to with that
1: episode uh I, I remember just being so proud of him at the end of that night that that actually came to be it materialized and it happened and uh, I, I just remember those iconic shots of him standing up on that big castle or big structure or whatever it was it was it was so cool
2: we will be talking about that in long form next week you subscribe now extremehardy.com. get in on that and make sure you don't miss it. You can also check out the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy on YouTube at Matt Hardy Brand. Always encourage people to check it out on YouTube. I think you get an added element watching Matt and I interact in addition to listening to Matt and I yes. interact because we're always talking about that 5 cinco 5 cinco 5 star review that by the end of the year, we'll give away another t-shirt for. All you gotta do is send a screenshot to us of your 5 cinco, yep. 5 5 5 5 star review. We got another one from Reblini says, Matt Hardy podcast, absolutely love, simply wonderful. If I could give this more than five stars, I def would. Me too. (laughs) Me too. I would. So we got got that next week, Matt Hardy. Then after that, we got the Omega Reunion panel coming up. And then we are going to wrap things up. As I said, I teased for you. We have the Hardy Awards, which are going to be some year-end awards from the mind of Matt Hardy to wrap us up here for the year. 2022. I like it. It's going to be we're here. I can't believe we're wrapping
1: up a year already. It's just it's insane. It
2: is yeah. the season. I'm, I'm a very lucky guy. I'm very grateful that I get to do this show with you. And we have many more to come. I've got a good yeah. feeling about that. So anything else you would like to add? As I said, this is our last Ask Matt episode of the year. Anything else you'd like to add for the people?
1: I just want to say I hope everyone out there had a, uh, had a, had a nice Thanksgiving and we're entering the holiday season. Uh, I hope everyone has a happy holidays, and I hope everyone can go out of your way to try and be nice to someone else out there. Just uh, we, we need a, a, a lot more civility in, uh, in humankind nowadays. So, yeah, just try and go out of your way during the holiday season to, to be nice to someone. Yes.
2: And if Aaron Judge signs with the San Francisco Giants by the time that this podcast has dropped – you can send me a nice tweet to make me feel better and that would be a great holiday gift that I would uh, most definitely appreciate from our Extreme Life of Matt Hardy listeners. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy.
1: Adiós, amigos.
0: But I feel strongly that saving money is important. You know, if it's not something we worry about now, boy, we are really going to worry about it later. And I want to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. I'm talking to you if you're in a 30-year loan. Now is the time to take years off of your loan. We're routinely helping our listeners cut 5, 10, even 15 years off their loan. And you can do this without perfect credit with no money out of pocket. You've just got to start at SaveWithConrad.com.